the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle parade. Food burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns. And thanking himself for who he still burns. He's going the distance. And we're back. Here we go, everybody. Another edition of Jamal About Sports after a very long layoff and hiatus. Welcome to 2023, January 2nd, broadcasting to you live from the new studios in Scarsdale, New York. As always, I'm your host, Jamal Hayden, and I am pleased to be back in 2023 after, as I said, a long hiatus, a long time off, uh, for reasons, frankly, that uh, that I guess are, are no specific reason, really, for uh, the, the long layoff. I think it's been about a year, almost. I think I did some shows in early 2022 as uh, my boy Matthew Stafford made his way to the Super Bowl and a Super Bowl victory, um, and don't think I've done a show since then. And no, that's not true. Uh, I did do one earlier this year from here, but that's the only one. And uh, I guess the only reason would be life, you know, work, my, my quote-unquote real job, which thankfully is uh, treating me very well, but also keeps me very busy. Um, you know, the move, uh, I'm an actual grown-up now, finally bought a place, uh, lots of stuff to be done when it comes to that. Uh, free time, probably just some laziness sprinkled in there as well. Uh, and, and honestly, uh, maybe a lack of inspiration um, at times. Um, but with this improbable season that the Lions have now put together, um, I am uh, re-energized, shall we say. New year. A little bit of a new me, a little bit of a new outlook on life, a little bit more positive perspective overall. And uh, so away we go. So we've got a big show to get to, lots of NFL, including, of course, my, my Lions, who have uh, become somewhat of the, the darlings now of, uh, of, the, of the league, a little bit anyway. Uh, they certainly were up until last week's uh, debacle in, in Carolina. Uh, bounced back very nicely yesterday against the Bears at home, which we will get to. So we're going to talk some short-term outlook for the Lions, right? How they can still get into the playoffs. Take a look around the league at the rest of the the playoff picture. Uh, talk about the scheduling, when certain games are going to be played. Um, and, uh, and then we'll also take a look at the long-term and big picture for the Lions because the, the future, uh, as of today, is, is exceedingly bright. Um, we may get into some college. There was two phenomenal games over the weekend uh, on, on Saturday, on, on New Year's Eve, uh, TCU, Michigan, and Ohio State, Georgia. Uh, as anybody who's ever listened to the show knows, uh, Georgia is pretty much my, my second team behind my University of Maryland Terrapins, who, by the way, shout out to them 
two bowl victories in a row, both over old uh, ACC rivals last year, Virginia Tech this year, NC State. Wasn't pretty, um, but they got the job done. They won eight games this year. It marks more progress under the Mike Loxley era. Um, and look, they should have won nine games this year. Uh, they had Purdue beat. They got jobbed by the refs badly in that game. Um, so look, Mar- Maryland's got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, particularly at the skill positions on offense. Uh, they need a quarterback. I'm just going to say that right now. Okay. Talia Tagalivoa is, 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 I understand he's broken all these records, um, guys, can we put can we can we put something in context, please? Anymore, you know the state of, and I know I'm going off on a rant here, and I'm supposed to be talking about the NFL and the lines, but uh, I don't care. The the state of of sports coverage these days, and quote unquote sports journalism, is so piss poor. So yes, I understand that uh, Talia Tagolayavoa has broken all these uh, quarterbacking records at Maryland. You know, and that includes some very good ones. Obviously, the most notably Boomer Esiason, right? It's the best. So anybody has a brain and knows anything about football knows that Boomer Esiason, hands down, is the best quarterback to ever play at the University of Maryland. That's it. All right, done. Best quarterback to ever play there. Second best, Neil O'Donnell, right? Neil was there when I was there. I knew Neil. Great guy. A lot of fun. Um, he was the second best quarterback. And then you had guys like, you know, Stan Gelbaugh, Frank, Frank Reich, very good also, right? Frank's probably the third best. Had a chance to meet Frank a couple times too when he was with the Lions. Great guy. All right, Stan Gelbaugh. Then you had, you know, some guys after that that were, you know, okay. Um, so I understand he, he, he's put up records. First of all, the game is different, right? Teams throw the ball 30, 40 times a game routinely. That was not the case when Boomer Esiason played. Uh, secondly, they play 13 games a year now. When Boomer played, they played 11. So that's six more games if you're going to talk about a three-year career. Uh, eight more games if you're going to talk about a four-year career. So it's not apples and oranges. So knock it off with this nonsense that somehow he's the greatest quarterback in, in, in Maryland history because of his statistics. He's not. Now, is he pretty good? Eh. Again, Maryland's got a lot of talent. Their wide receivers are ridiculous. They have three guys that are going to try to go to the pros this year, and they didn't miss a beat. They're not going to miss a beat with the guys that are replacing them. And, you know, they put, obviously, Stephon Diggs in the pros, DJ Moore's in the pros. Um, so I think if Maryland has a, a better quarterback next year, and I would actually think Billy Edwards Jr. could be a better quarterback than, than Leah, uh, Maryland could be pretty good. But anyway, I digress. Let's get to the lines. So, since we haven't done a show, we'll do a mini recap of the season. Uh, lines started out, you know, look, they had a rough year last year, obviously. 3-13-1. Probably should have won that Pittsburgh game. That was the game where the Lions had no kicker. Uh, guy missed short field goals. Uh, they had that horrible loss to the Ravens last year where uh, there was a, a, a play clock violation Clearly delay a game penalty, not called on the Ravens, and they end up con- con- converting a fourth and 23. Then Justin Tucker makes this, a 66-yard field goal that hits the crossbar and barely trickles over. Um, you know, So uh, although the Lions' record was horrible last year, it, it, it could have been a little bit better. right? You, you could have argued the Lions could have won six games last year. But they finished the year kind of strong. I think they went, th- you know, they didn't win a game for a while. They they they. Ended the year, at least on a somewhat positive note, 
Um, and it came into the year, you know, with some expectations for improvement, right? If you were a Lions fan, if you're a Lions organization member, right? Not a player. Players, again, you know, people talk about tanking. Players don't tank. Organizations tank, okay? Players are out there playing their asses off. I don't care if you're a four-string guy, an undrafted free agent, a starter, a star, or first-round pick. Players do not tank, particularly in football. You tank, you take your, you, you, you put yourself in physical peril, okay? So players don't tank. Organizations might tank. But if you're an organization member of the Lions, you wanted to see market improvement this year. You wanted to see an increase in wins. You wanted to see the team establish some foundational players that are going to be core members of a good team moving forward for the next three to five years. And then you had hard knocks over the summer. So the Lions got a lot of national exposure. Dan Campbell is a very media-friendly figure because he is honest, sometimes maybe to a fault. He's authentic. He is, you know, he, he says some weird things. He uses some strange analogies. He mixes his metaphors from time to time. But he doesn't give you a lot of garbage coach speak, which 99% of the coaches in the NFL do, right? Um, and so it's refreshing. And he is charismatic in his own sort of weird way. And you saw a lot of the rest of the Lions coaches, most of whom are former players, guys like Aaron Glenn, who's a defensive coordinator, Deuce Staley, who's a running backs coach, an assistant head coach. Um, you know, you have, uh, who else? well, Anthony Lynn is gone. He was the offense coordinator last year. He's doing a nice job with Sam Fran as a running backs coach this year. Um, but in any event, um, so, you know, lots of guys that are, you know, different than what I grew up on as coaches, right? You know, I grew up on Chuck Knoll and Bud Grant and Bill Walsh and Marv Levy, guys like that. You know, Tom Landry. Um, those were NFL coaches, guys who wore suits and ties and hats and, you know, black cleats on the sidelines. <laughs> uh, you know, these are, guys, these are guys that are ex-players and, you know, have, have adapted with the times. And uh, so they, they were a bit of a media darling with the whole hard knocks thing. And then, you know, they played the Eagles first game of the year, played them pretty tough, scored a bunch of points. Defense looked lousy, couldn't get the job done. Lions lost, started the year one and six. And it looked really bad after a game at home against Miami in which they had, I think, a 10, 14 point lead. Dolphins threw all over them, never punted, did whatever they wanted. And the Lions fired the defensive backs coach, Aubrey Pleasant, the next day. Somebody who had been highly thought of in league circles had come over from the Rams, who had a very good secondary, and somebody who was very well-liked by the players, a guy that many thought would be groomed to be Aaron Glenn's replacement as defensive coordinator because the thought around league circles is that Aaron Glenn will be a head coach in this league in the next couple of years. Well... Aaron Glenn, the bloom was off his rose because the team was one and six, largely in part due to the failures of the defense. And a lot of the failures on those defense of the defense were due in large part to blown assignments in the secondary. So while a lot of times when teams fire coaches, you know, you see it in baseball, right? Teams not hitting the fire the hitting coach, or the pitching staff's not pitching well to fire the pitching coach. It seems like a lazy move and scapegoating to a certain extent, and that's what this seemed and felt like at the time. 
But it turned out to actually kind of be right. I mean, now look, it wasn't just that one thing. Lions made some schematic changes on defense. They simplified things. They made some personnel changes. Um, They benched some guys, brought in some more young guys, um, got some guys back healthy, like uh, uh, Jerry Jacobs, the cornerback, undrafted rookie gem, came out of nowhere last year, played very well. Uh, They got Romeo Okora back recently, pass rusher, has helped. Um, They got Josh Paschal back who was, well, not back. He never was there as a rookie, but somebody, defensive lineman, second-round pick, who is going to be, in the beginning of the year, you would have thought relied upon heavily, was hurt. Uh, they got him back. He's played well. So they, they've gotten some, some, some you know, new pieces there, some schematic changes, but the, the defense uh, improved significantly since that, that, that move. And then the Lions went out and have now gone 7-2 and two in their last nine games. To get to eight and eight, which is incredible, um, and uh, you know had the tough Thanksgiving last second loss to the Bills, um, you know game they basically went toe to toe against the Bills, you know a team large you know widely uh, uh, favored or shouldn't say favored, but a lot of people thought or think can get to the Super Bowl, and I mean look they they're still playing for home field advantage throughout the. The AFC playoffs, so I mean they're certainly are right up there, one of the best teams in the AFC, and then the Lions went toe to toe with them. Um, and 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 honestly, had the Lions not been playing two uh, third string guards in that game, they may have won that game. Now I understand, you know, Goff missed the throw on third and one to DJ Chark, that you know could have been would have been a touchdown, and then Josh Allen made a ridiculous throw. To, to digs that fit it in between two guys. And, you know, everybody said, well, that's the difference. Josh Allen made that throw and Josh, Jared Goff can't make I mean, yeah, it's a simple way to look at it. But there were other plays in that game, of course, as there always are. Um, but the point is that the Lions showed up and played, a, you know, head-to-head against one of the best teams in the league and, and did not look outclassed by any stretch and easily could have won that game. And, you know, look, they, had a, they beat Green Bay in, in Detroit. They intercepted Aaron Rodgers three times, tw- twice in the end zone, one, one, of, one of which was by Aiden Hutchinson, defensive end, and doing, making an amazingly athletic play. As Green Bay tried to get cute and called a tackle-eligible play, and Aiden Hutchinson was having none of it, sniffed it out, and intercepted the ball. And we'll get to Aaron Rodgers and his snarky comments after that game in a minute and his snarky comments since then. We'll get all into the Green Bay-Detroit game coming up this weekend in a second. So to go from 1-6 and six to now 8-8 eight and eight is tremendous. It's tremendous. And look, you know, the game last week against Carolina was weird, right? Carolina record looked bad, although they've been playing well lately. And they're probably better than the record. They had that horrible loss against Atlanta where D.J. Moore scored what should have been the go-ahead touchdown, uh, threw his helmet off after the play, got called for unsportsmanlike conduct that backed the extra point up 15 yards. Of course, then Eddie Pinheiro missed the extra point. Then he also missed a chip shot field goal in overtime that would have won the game. So they ended up losing that game. Um, and that's a killer because they lost that game yesterday to Tampa Bay in which they led in the fourth quarter 21 uh, 16. Actually, I think they led 21-10 late in the third. 
and then we're still up 21-16 in the fourth, uh, and then decided to not cover Mike Evans for some reason. Um, but, um, you know, Carolina probably better than their record. And, look, give, give that team and Steve Wilkes, uh, the interim coach there, a ton of credit. Uh, this is a team that, you know, Steve Wilkes left them. He was a defense coordinator, went to Arizona, got one year there with the horrid Josh Rosen and got fired because then they wanted to bring in uh, genius, supposed genius Cliff Kingsbury and supposed stud uh, Kyler Murray. How's that working out for you so far, Arizona? So Steve Wilkes got a raw deal there, found his way back to Arizona, uh, to Carolina, took over for Matt Rules, another flavor of the month guy that uh, Steve Tepper, the billionaire owner for Carolina, gave an insane contract to. That Remember, everybody thought Matt Rule was going to go to the Giants, right? Matt Rule, who, by the way, very good college resume as a coach, right? Took to turn Temple, which is a perennial doormat, into a solid program for several years. Then took over a fledgling Baylor program that was mired uh, amid scandal and all kinds of other stuff from the previous coach, Art Bryles, who was a disaster off the field, good on the field, horrible off the field, right? And turned them around. So the track record, very good. Got the Panthers job, bombed out. They fired him. Uh, they brought in Baker Mayfield. He didn't work out. They had Sam Darnold. He didn't work out. They went to P.J. Washington. He played well for a while. Then he stopped playing well for They went back to Sam Darnold. Anyway, that team is fight, has fought and scratched and clawed all season long. So I knew that game against Carolina was not going to be an easy one. I, I did not expect the Lions to sort of get gashed the way they did, particularly on the ground when the run defense for the Lions had been great. In a lot, you know, they look, they played, they went into the Meadowlands, played the Giants, Giants, you know, who, who want to run the ball all the time. Giant, the Lions shut the Giants down. Saquon Barkley didn't do anything, and, and, and class act that he is tipped his cap to the Lions defense. Aleem McNeil wrecked that game, defensive tackle, second year player, by the way. We'll get to the future of the Lions a little bit later in the show. Uh, same thing against the Jets. Jets couldn't run the ball at all against the Lions. On the road, cold weather. So I was surprised that they sort of laid an egg against Carolina on defense. Uh, just couldn't stop the run. Just got started out bad and just, you know, could never recover. One of those things that happens, okay, it was unfortunate because had they won that game, they would have controlled their own destiny as far as making the playoffs concerned. Because <coughs> they'd be 9-7 and seven right now and in the driver's seat. Uh, but say la vie, it happens. Look, I thought coming to this Bears game, I said it to my dad on Saturday, it's a watershed game for Aaron Glenn, right? He went from being the sort of the, the, the it girl, next hot name as a head coach, defensive coordinator, to being, you know, vilified, and somewhat rightfully so after the line started 1-6 and six and defense was atrocious, to sort of gaining his footing back, Right, but what's what has given the Lions fits all year? What's the, I mean, one thing consistently is giving the Lions defense fits. It's mobile quarterbacks, quarterbacks that can run. And no, there's probably none better in the league right now, particularly with Lamar Jackson hurt, than Justin Fields for the Bears. And he did a number on the Lions in Chicago. The Lions still managed to pull that game out, thirty-one thirty, with a big pick six by Jeff Okuda in the start of the fourth quarter of that game. And then two big sacks on the last drive 
for the Bears, you know, when he, he wriggled out of, of, of the grasp of, of Lions defenders all game, and even on that last play where, you know, they had him sacked, he got out of it, and then Julian O'Quar, Romeo O'Quar's younger brother, got up and sacked him again. Um, and yesterday didn't start out well. Lions won the toss, properly deferred. Dan Campbell, props to, to you for that. He's done it all season long. Good for him. Um, and the Bears went right down the field and scored because Josh, uh, because Justin Fields basically you know, ran all over the Lions. Right? They had him in a third and five, uh, played man-to-man, didn't put a spy on him, you know, ran for 40 yards. You know, did a couple of trick plays where they flipped to the tight end in motion and the tight end flipped it back to him, ran for another 30 yards. And then had a busted coverage, wide open, Cole Komet, touchdown, 13 yards out, down, 7 nothing. Credit the Lions office, came right back down the field themselves, scored a touchdown, tied at 7. Next series, Bears, same thing. A couple of long runs by Fields. Lions defense bowed up, stopped him on a run on second and third down. Held him to a field goal, 10-7, that was huge. Now the Lions get the ball, they come back and score again, 14-10. Now the Lions get stop, score again, 21-10. Now they get some sacks. Now they're starting to make them uncomfortable. James Houston, who's been a revelation, six-round pick out of Jackson State, played for Coach Prime last year, had 16 and a half sacks his senior year at Jackson State. But he's undersized as an edge rusher, only 6'1", 240. Another guy like that. Remember Anybody remember James Harrison from Kent State? Steelers? All that guy did was make plays. James, uh, James Houston's an interesting case. Started his career out of Florida as a sort of traditional linebacker. Transferred to Jackson State for one year. They moved him to edge rusher. Had the 16 and a half sacks. Went largely unnoticed. Didn't go to the combine. Lines took a flyer on him in the sixth round. Got cut out of training camp, made the practice squad, and wasn't active until the Thanksgiving Day game because in practice, the coaches started noticing that he was giving the Lions tackles, Taylor Decker, left tackle, Penny Sewell, right tackle, both of whom are very good. Penny Sewell might be the best right tackle in the league. It's a joke he didn't get voted to the Pro Bowl, but whatever. Who cares about the Pro Bowl? It's not even a thing anymore. Um, but should get some all-pro votes, which is way more important than the Pro Bowl. Um, started giving those guys fits in practice, and they said, "You know what? Screw it. Let's 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 make this kid active for the Bills game. See what he did." Well, all he did was have two sacks in his first game, and he hasn't stopped since. He had three sacks again yesterday. He had had a sack, I think, in four or five games in a row. It's up to eight sacks now in like six or seven games. And he had a huge play yesterday where he he he, he tracked Justin Fields down from behind. Consciously swatted at the ball, knocked it out. Aiden Hutchinson, who's had a tremendous rookie year, should get a ton of votes for defensive rookie of the year. May probably still lose to Sauce Gardner for the Jets because that guy is very good. But, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson's numbers, he's, he's got seven and a half sacks. He's got three interceptions as a defensive end. He had another one yesterday. Granted, it was at sort of a goofy play at the end of the first half, but still. And he has two fumble recoveries. And he plays the run pretty well. Yes, I understand. Sometimes he gets sucked in on these, on these, these, these uh, sort of uh, you know redraw sort of uh, option plays by the quarterback from time to time. Okay, it happens. 
He didn't, he didn't yesterday. Yesterday he was incredible with his discipline and staying home. And, I mean, the guy's a worker. He loves being a lion. I mean, what, what, what a, just a tremendous pick he was. And he, thank goodness, Jacksonville took Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker, who, by the way, will probably be a good player and has played well at times for Jacksonville this year. But, I mean, it, it just, Aiden Hutchinson is tremendous. And what, what an athlete that guy is. For his size, it's 6'7", 260, whatever it is. Incredible. So, and then the Lions came down, kicked the field goal 24-10, and started the third quarter with the ball. And then came right down the field and scored 31-10. Good night. See you later. Bears are done. Fold their tents. And that's how you put away a bad team at home. Team that has nothing to play for, right? The only thing they're playing for is to try to spoil your season and you gave them nothing. You gave them no rope. You gave them no hope. After 7 nothing, you came right back and tied it. Then you held them to a field goal, and then you blitzed them. And you lined up with a 41-10 game, best running game the Lions have had in, in months. Jamal Williams over 100 yards with a touchdown. DeAndre Swift with 78 yards on only 11 carries. Also had 40 yards receiving, 39 yards receiving, and a touchdown. So two touchdowns for him. And don't look now, people, but Jared Goff's numbers on the year, the guy that everybody, myself included, well, not really myself included. I, I've been saying for a while, he, he's, he's not top-tier elite guy, but he's better than a lot of the direct you see out there. I mean, I, 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 you know, we can go around the league and look. I mean, would you take him over what the Jets are throwing out there? Uh, Yeah. Did you take him over Baker Mayfield? Yeah. Did you take him over Sam Darnold or whomever else Carolina's trotting out there? Yup. Did you take him over what Atlanta's got? Yup. How about the Colts? Think the Colts might like Jared Goff? Yeah, I think they would. How about Tennessee? I mean, I understand people love Ryan Tannehill. Eh. And I understand the record on their hymn has been pretty good. I mean, I mean listen, you, you know, I, I put it this way. I don't know that Ryan Tannehill is markedly better than Jared Goff. I think you can certainly make an argument for Jared Goff over Ryan Tannehill. Houston could certainly use Ryan Tan, uh, Jared Goff. <coughs> How about Denver? I understand Russell Wilson had a great career with Seattle. He stunk this year for Denver. Now, maybe that's just a function of just a bad situation, bad, bad coaching, you know, bad coach there, and Nathaniel Hackett who already got fired, didn't even make it through his first year. But you could do a lot worse than Jared Goff. But anyway, don't look now. Jared Goff, 4,000 yards, 29 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. It's pretty good, and he's 28 years old. <coughs> Excuse me. Dealing with a uh, COVID, by the way. Seemed to be on the men, though. It's about four days in. Pretty good. Feeling pretty good. Um, so now it all comes down to this for the Lions. We needed three things to happen yesterday. and I Well, four things. Lions needed a win. Check. The Commanders... Dumbest name in sports, maybe except for the Guardians, the Cleveland Guardians, and the Washington Commanders, two of the worst names ever. Uh, I mean, Washington, I, I, all, all four changing the name from Redskins, 
It's offensive. Get it. It's fine. Just keep it Washington football team and keep the, the uniforms that you had. Right? Well, how does the NFL, by the way, allow the Washington football team, because that's what I'm going to call them because the commanders are stupid. Um, how, how do you let them have an alternate uh, uniform that's basically the Steelers' uniform? What? What? What is going on? Can anybody please apply some common sense anywhere in any uh, endeavor these days? I mean, those, those black and yellow uniforms that they wear are ridiculous. I mean, your colors are maroon and gold. Wear maroon and gold. They're good colors. You have a good... You had, I mean, listen, I hated the old Redskins teams, but their uniforms were always pretty cool. They had good helmets. So stupid. I mean, guys, this is not that hard. Why do you make things so difficult? Same thing with the Lions. The Lions are the best colors in, in NFL. Two best uniforms in, in, in NFL, bar none, are the Raiders and the Lions. That's it. Black and silver, Honolulu blue and silver. Fantastic. And then they had to go muck it all up. The Raiders haven't, but the Lions have. But apparently they're going back maybe. They are going to change their uniforms again. But they're going back to more of the Barry Sanders-ish era Uni is what I hear. I hope. I really hope they do that. Because this junk that the Lions are wearing these days is awful. Those all grays are terrible. The white pants with the white jerseys are horrendous. Lions never used to have white pants. You have, when you have silver or gray pants, that's the perfect contrast to a white jersey. You don't need anything else. The blue pants stink too. The all blue jersey, the all blue uniforms stink. The logo on the, on the helmet isn't any good anymore. It all stinks. The best uniform is what they ran out there yesterday with the throwbacks. With just the plain blue, the plain gray pants or silver pants, and a plain silver helmet with no logo. That's the best uniform they have now. But anyway, I digress. So, <laughs> needed Washington to lose yesterday. They lost to the Browns, convincingly. Idiotically reinserting Carson Wentz. Now listen, I understand Tyler Heineke is limited and he's best suited to be a backup and his limitations. The more guys like that play, the more their limitations are going to be exposed. I get it, right? It's like a bench player in baseball, right? Guys can play well for a time filling in. The more they play, the more their weaknesses get exposed. I understand that. But Carson Wentz is terrible now. And he killed, killed Washington yesterday. Through three interceptions, two of them in the, in the end zone. He, he, he's, he's bad. But good for the line. So we need a Washington to lose. They're done. But we also needed Green Bay to lose. Why? Lost by Green Bay yesterday would have eliminated them and made the game against the Lions for Green Bay meaningless to a certain extent, right? Now, who knows? We could always, you know, play the what-if game. You know, who knows if prima donna, deep thinker Aaron Rodgers would have decided to play if Green Bay was eliminated from contention against us but meanwhile, even if he didn't play, I mean, look, I, you know, I know it's 11 years ago now. Uh, I remember going up to Green Bay, getting, of course, a job by the refs, but also losing to Matt Flynn. And, and, and that guy having that one good game against the Lions and got himself a huge contract, which Seattle then came to regret. And then you get Russell Wilson as a result. Um, so who knows? But needed Green Bay to lose. Of course, they didn't lose. Knew they weren't going to lose. As soon as I saw the schedule for Green Bay the last three weeks, I knew that it was trouble. I had a good feeling to beat Miami. They were getting points. I bet on them. 
You know my thinking there. If a team I want to lose is getting points, I bet on them. Because if they lose, I'm happy to lose the money. If they lose but cover, I win twice. And, you know, if they win outright, at least I get paid. So I bet on Green Bay against Miami. I won. Game Miami easily could have won. Pissed that game away. Uh, Tua was horrible in the fourth quarter. Now, turns out he may have been playing with a concussion, unfortunately. Um, so we need Green Bay to lose yesterday. They didn't lose. And, and, and when I saw that Minnesota was playing at Green Bay yesterday... I mean, if there was ever the lock of the century, it was that be that fraudulent Vikings team, the most ridiculously lucky, undeserving 12-win team in the history of the NFL, Minnesota Vikings, and their fraud quarterback, Kirk Cousins, would go in and get smoked in Lambeau yesterday by the Packers. That was it yesterday. The lock of the century. Lock. And, of course, that's what happened. What was the score? 41-17, some window dressing, late touchdowns that meant nothing. I mean, listen, the Vikings are not good. Everybody knows the Vikings aren't any good. I mean, Detroit handled them a couple of weeks back, never trailed in the game. Yeah, the Vikings kind of made it a little bit close late, but the game, and the Lions needed to make a couple plays to salt that game away. Lions should have beaten the first game. We all know that. Dan Campbell made a horrendous decision to kick a long field goal. Ended up costing him the game. He said it still bothers him to this day. They've gotten dumb lucky in, in so many. I, they, I think 10 of their 12 wins are by like one score or, or you know, seven points or less. Like the, the, the statistical odds of that are, are, are insane. Like it shouldn't happen. It's almost mathematically impossible to win all the games that the Vikings have won. The game against the Bills, all the Bills need to do is have a, a, a center quarterback snap exchange, not go awry, and get recovered in the end zone by the, by the Vikings for, for a touchdown. And the Bills win that game. I mean, they, they, they got dumb lucky against the Giants. The guy made Not dumb lucky, but the guy made a 61-yard field goal against the Giants. Jets, Braxton Berrios drops a touchdown in the end zone. Would have won them. They should have lost the Jets. How about the Colts game? They're down 33-0. And everybody wants to say, oh, what a great comeback. Okay, sure. Yeah, that speaks more to the dumpster fire of a season the Colts have had this year than, than the Vikings. So uh, nobody was surprised to see the Vikings going to get smoked yesterday. So we knew that was happening. The other game, and this is also a fool's errand, is, is, is relying on the Jets for, for anything. I mean, what a pathetic performance by the Jets yesterday. I needed Seattle to lose yesterday. Had Seattle lost yesterday, the Lions would have controlled their own destiny. So forget about Green Bay. I mean, it would have been nice for Green Bay to just be eliminated because I hate them and I hate Aaron Rodgers. But regardless, as far as the Lions business is concerned, and, then, and again, who knows how, how Green Bay would have played. Like, it, it's a moot point now. But what I really needed was Seattle to lose yesterday. And, you know, the Jets still playing for something. A team that was 6-3 and three and 7-4 and four at one point, reeling recently. You know, they had the Mike White shot in the arm, played well after replacing the horrendously ineffective Zach Wilson. 
And then Mike White, of course, got hurt in the Bills game. And so they had to go back to Zach Wilson. Well, they didn't. They could have gone to Flacco. But they went back to Zach Wilson. His first game was against the Lions. His numbers looked good. He didn't play well. Did not play well in that game. Even the throws he completed were, were, were it was poor technique, bad fundamentals. Some of them were a little bit lucky. Threw a horrendous interception in that game. Missed open receivers. He stinks. Um, then they went back to Mike White for this game against Seattle. And I don't know if the ribs are still bothering Mike White. And to his credit, he didn't use it as an excuse. But he was awful yesterday. He was awful. He had receivers wide open earlier in the game. He had C.J. Zoma, the tight end, wide open on a couple of plays. Missed him. <coughs> and then when... He did make a decent throw. His receivers didn't help him out. Garrett Wilson had a bad drop on fourth down. The play calling stinks. Matt, Matt LaFleur, or is it Mike LaFleur? I don't know. One of the LaFleur brothers, whichever one's not the coach for the Packers, he stinks. Robert Salas stinks. Go take some more receipts, you dope. Give me a break. Jets. What a joke of an organization they are. And go, go change your uniform some more, too, and get worse, and keep wearing black jerseys. You're a joke. A joke of a franchise. Can you see I'm a little upset with the Jets right now? <laughs> I mean, but seriously, can you go in and, I mean, at least show up, give an effort? And, and, and there's supposed a great defense, by the way, that the Jets have. How about not giving up a 60-yard run on the first play of the game? How about that? Now, they sort of found their footing a little bit. But, I mean, again... The Jets are supposed to be a dominant team on defense this year. And they were not. And I understand Geno Smith's been a nice story this year. He's been, you know, a reclamation project. And nobody, probably even including Seattle, thought he was going to have the season that he's had this year. But, I mean, Jets, come on. Jets defense, you got to be better than that. And the offense was just awful. But again, it's my own fault, and it's the Lions' own fault. Don't ever put your fate in the hands of another team, and especially the Jets. I mean, that's, that's the rule. Listen, I used to like the Jets. I used to root for the Jets with as much vim and vigor as I root for the Lions. In 1983, when they went on the road and beat the Raiders in the playoffs, I was thrilled. And then when they lost in that swamp mud bowl in Miami the next week when A.J. Dewey had to pick six, I was crushed. And then in 1988, or was it 87, when they had the playoff game against the Browns that they had won, and then Gastineau got the 15-yard penalty for a late hit on Kozar. They kept the drive alive and lost on a game-winning field goal. That was it. I was done. Because I I was like, I can't can't root for two teams like this. I can't root for two teams that will snatch victory from the – sorry, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory – like the Lions and the Jets. Can't do it. I'm going to be away at school. I'm already down at the University of Maryland. It's going to be, I, I can barely follow one team, right? Neither of these teams are ever going to be on TV locally. Back then, there was no internet. There was no, you know, I didn't have cable in my dorm. So it was literally, the only way I stayed up on the Lions was USA Today on Monday. Religiously. I would get USA Today because why? USA Today's sports section gave you the box score, but also not just for the offensive statistics, gave you the tackles and interceptions and sack statistics. No other paper did that. And that was, and then also, you know, 
my dad subscribed to the Detroit papers and we used to get them mailed to the house in Brooklyn. <laughs> and I think maybe he would, I'm trying to remember, would he clip those and then mail them to me at school? He might have. I don't remember that part. But anyway, it's very hard to follow teams from out of your local market in the late 80s and early 90s. So I decided, look, I'm just going to stick with the Lions. Better uniforms. My dad loves them. I'm sticking with them. I'm ditching the Jets. So, you know, it's not like I have any ill will towards the Jets. But when you lay an egg like you did yesterday, I mean, listen, they have some very nice players on defense. They have some decent skill position players on offense. Garrett Wilson's promising rookie. Hopefully Brees Hall, the running back, comes back, plays well. My guy Ty Johnson from Maryland looked good yesterday in limited action. Um, you know, they got to get that offensive line squared away. Listen, it's part of it's not their fault. I mean, they, 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 they did sustain a ton of injuries to the offensive line this year, to be fair to the Jets. But, I mean, they don't have a quarterback. So, because the problem with the Jets is, listen, to be fair to Zach Wilson, he's a very inexperienced quarterback. He did not play a lot in college, right? He's young. He's inexperienced. New York is a tough market to grow up in. Look at Daniel Jones. Now, he's a tough-minded kid, and now in his fourth year, he's the toast of the town because the Giants made the playoffs yesterday after blowing out the pathetic Colts, and good for the Giants. But, you know, look, people were very down on Daniel Jones, very down on him, and, and, and rightfully so at times. But, you know, it's tough to be – nobody wants to be patient anymore about anything in any walk of life, particularly in sports. But sports demands patience. And particularly quarterback in the NFL demands patience. It requires patience. And But the, the, you see, the conundrum that the Jets are in is that the rest of the team is good enough to win now. And so if you're going to have a quarterback who is not good enough to win now and the rest of the team is, well, then what do you do? So ideally for the Jets, and we'll see what happens in Oakland with the – Oakland, well, whatever. Yeah, Oakland, the Raiders – with the Derek Carr situation, but I think Derek Carr will look very good in a Jets uniform next year. But I wouldn't just, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater here with Zach Wilson. I mean, you keep him around. You know, listen, he had the misstep after the, the game against the Patriots when he was awful, and he didn't sort of just take it on, on the chin and own up to the fact that he stunk, right? You know, he made a mistake. Okay, he apologized. He moved on. He has ability. He's mobile. He's got a good arm. But he's just wildly inexperienced. He needs seasoning. So, because Seattle held up their end of the bargain and the Jets did not hold up their end, and because Green Bay smashed Minnesota, which we all knew was going to happen, the scenario for the Lions to make the playoffs is this. They obviously have to win in Green Bay. Don't know when that game is going to be yet. So there was some talk that it was going to get flexed to the national game on Saturday, which I was adamantly against for a couple of different reasons. Number one, and you would think, Jamal, why, why, why would you not want to watch the game on national TV? Well, I'll tell you why. Um, because you know damn well there is no way in hell the league and or the refs were going to let Green Bay on national TV in Lambeau, 
where they win and in scenario lose to the Lions. You know, wasn't happening. Was not going to happen. Now, they probably won't let it happen anyway, but the Lions have a slightly better chance now that the game's not on national TV. So I wonder now if they're going to put the Lions and maybe move that game, though, to 4.30 or the 4 o'clock or 4.25 window on Sunday because that's when the Rams play Seattle. So that's the other thing that has to happen. So the Lions need to be Green Bay. And the Rams, with Baker Mayfield fighting for his football life, but a very depleted Rams team. Rams got killed yesterday at home against the Chargers, even though the Chargers also play in that stadium at home. That's so stupid. So dumb. Nice job, Roger Goodell. Atrocity. You let the San Diego Chargers leave. Anyway, um, you need the Rams to beat Seattle in Seattle. So that's going to be a 4 or 425 window game. Typically, lines at Green Bay would be a 1 o'clock game. But because, well, so it's interesting. Now, I think they're going to keep it there at 1 and let Seattle know what they have to do. Well, no, I guess, yeah, because actually that, that is the fair thing to do. Because if the Lions if the Lions beat Green Bay, Green Bay's out, and then Seattle knows they have to win. If the Lions lose, the Seattle game is meaningless because um, Green Bay owes a tiebreaker over Seattle. So Green Bay wins, they're in, regardless of what Seattle does. Lions win, they need help from the Rams to beat Seattle. And I'll tell you this. If the Lions win and Seattle wins, I can take that. I can handle that. Okay? Look, the Lions lost to the Seahawks earlier in the year, head-to-head. Stinks. That's why that tie between the Washington and Giants killed the Lions because the Lions beat both those teams. So the teams, you know, <laughs> so, but they lost to Seattle. But if they beat Green Bay, and that obviously would prevent Green Bay from making the playoffs, it would be ju- almost as sweet. Preventing Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers from making the playoffs would be almost as sweet as making the playoffs ourselves. And if we beat Green Bay and Seattle wins, hey, you tip your cap. They needed to win the last two games. They did Good for them. And if the Lions finish the season 9-8 and eight after starting off 1-6, and six, you know what? God bless us. And by the way, because of the Matthew Stafford trade, if the Rams lose to Seattle, that means a f- top five draft pick for a team that just went 9-8 and eight in the second year of a rebuild that has its quarterback in Jared Goff, that has a foundation, that has a very good offensive line, that has... One stud receiver who's only a second-year player in Amon Ross St. Brown. Hopefully another stud receiver coming in Jamison Williams, who's been playing now for the last five weeks and slowly being eased into it. You still have DeAndre Swift. Jamal Williams is a free agent. Okay, maybe the Lions bring him back. Maybe not. You can get somebody just like him in the draft if you know what you're doing in the third round. Talk about it every year. Or, or another free agent. You know, I mean, Jamal Williams was a savvy free agent signing. Two years, six million. Now, he'll, he'll demand more money than that. But look, the running back market is never going to be huge, especially for a guy who, who's, you know, look, Jamal Williams had a very nice year. He's got 1,000 yards and 15 touchdowns. You know, he's not a stud, but he's a very capable back. 
and a very good short yardage back, very good goal line back. Obviously, most of his touchdowns come from, you know, one yard out, but that's a valuable skill to have. I suspect the Lions probably re-sign him to a reasonable contract. So Lions are going to be set on offense. The big, the big question with the Lions, what do they do on defense? Now, the front seven looks very good. You've got Aiden Hutchinson, stud. You've got James Houston, emerging stud. Josh Paschal could be a stud. Aline McNeil, kind of a stud. Second-year player. Um, you know, Malcolm Rodriguez, it was a nice story, had a good year. I, the Lions could use, an, and Alex Anzalone had a pretty good year. They, they could, they, if the Lions could get themselves like a Roquan Smith, a true difference maker at linebacker, that'd be, that's what they, they, they need that, and then they need a couple of studs in the secondary. They need a stud at safety. Now, Kirby Joseph, the rookie, made great strides this year. He's a ball hawk. He has three interceptions, forces some fumbles. He's, he's definitely promising. You'd love to pair him with, you know, a Quandre Diggs type or, um, you know, well, this, they play the same position, free safety. But, you know, a stud strong safety would, would go a long way. And you can never have too many good corners. You know, Jeff Okuda showed a lot of strides. He's sort of been leaking oil here down the stretch. I love Jerry Jacobs. I love that guy. I love the way that guy competes. He, he's a pleasure um, lines are not far away, folks. The future is bright. It's a very young roster. I mean, Jared Goff's one of the oldest guys on the team. He's 28. Taylor Decker is the oldest guy. He's 29. So, future for the Lions is very, very bright. All right. That was a lot. We'll take a short break. We'll go around the rest of the NFL playoff picture right after this. All right. And we are back with... The first edition in the new year of 2023 of Jamal about sports. So, gave you what the Lions playoff scenarios are. Now, we'll take a look around the rest of the league. So, AFC got the Bills already clinched the division by a lot. The Bengals, I believe, have clinched. Now, they haven't clinched the division yet. See, they're eleven and four. Baltimore's ten and six. So, if they go eleven, if they lose today, they'll be eleven and five. They play since he plays Buffalo tonight. Yeah, I guess. Let's see, division. Yeah, Baltimore's three and two the division, and Cincinnati's two and three. So if, I guess do they play each other next week? I got to take a look at that. Jacksonville, by the way, who the Lions crushed uh, on on when they were on their winning streak. Lions destroyed Jacksonville, forty to fourteen. Um, they're eight and eight now. Tennessee is seven and nine and reeling. Lost losers of six games in a row. Quarterback issues, right? Tannehill got hurt against uh, the Chargers. Try to come back, couldn't do it. They went to Malik Willis, the rookie out of Liberty that a lot of people wanted the Lions to draft with the second overall pick, um, who, again, may be a good player in this league, clearly a raw prospect and not ready for prime time. Um, so much so that they went to Josh Dobbs, whom I've always liked. I liked him when he was at Tennessee. I liked him when the Steelers took him, I think, in like the fifth round um, as a developmental guy. You know, totally an RKG, right kind of guy, personality, very bright. 
uh, athletic, good arm, um, and actually played pretty well against the Cowboys on Thursday night. But the Titans just don't have the horses, and uh, they lost to, to Dallas. Um, so Jacksonville, I believe, let's see, is that game for the division? Yeah, it is. So Jacksonville wins. They win the division. If Tennessee wins, they'd get in. They'd win the division at 8-9, and nine, uh, if you could believe it. Um, but most folks seem to feel like Jacksonville is going to win that game. They should win that game. I mean, they should win that game. Trevor Lawrence has made great strides. Listen, Doug Peterson's a good coach. I mean, the guy won a Super Bowl with Philly not that long ago. And they won a lot of games. He won a lot of games there. And Jacksonville, you know, look, they've been drafting high forever. I mean, they should have talent on that roster. So, you know, good for them. And then out in the West, you've got Kansas City at 13-3. and They're in. They won the division. The Chargers are 10-6. and They're in. Um, so, really, you've got positioning and I guess two divisions on the, 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 uh, on the line. You've got the AFC South still up for grabs. And I guess the AFC North is still up for grabs. Let me take a look at the schedule here. I've got to take a look at this because... Yeah, I, I must imagine that if um, if uh, Cincinnati plays Baltimore in the last game of the year, and I believe that's got to be the case, yeah, Baltimore at Cincinnati. So, right now, if Cincinnati wins tonight, they win the division, okay? Because they'll have... They'll have... 12 wins, and the best Baltimore can do is 11. So, yes. So, Cincinnati wins tonight. They clinch the division. The game against Baltimore for them will probably be meaningless, but maybe there's still an outside chance that they... Well, hold on now. No, probably not. Well, mm, yeah, I guess so, because they beat the Chiefs, right? Let's see. They're 8-3. and three. The Chiefs are in a conference. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 okay, here's the scenario. This is crazy. So, and it's a tall order, but if Cincinnati beats the Bills tonight, they'll be 12 and 4, the Bills will be 12 and 4. Bills' conference record will be 8 and 3, so will Cincinnati's, but they would own the tiebreaker by virtue of head to head. The Chiefs are 13 and 3, but they also are 8 and 3 in the conference. And again, Cincinnati beat the Chiefs, so they would also own the tiebreaker against the Chiefs for best overall record and the bye in, in the AFC. Right? Then the last game of the year is Cincinnati at home against Baltimore. So if they win that game and get to 13 wins, let's say the Chiefs lose their last game and get to 13 and 4, and the Bills lose their last game uh, at thir- and, 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 and get, and the Bills win, even if the Bills win their last game, the Bengals would own the tiebreaker again, so the Bengals would have number one overall seed. Now, it's like, it's, it's so, I mean, that, it seems like it's a lot to happen, but I think those are all reasonable things. Let's see, but let's see who the Chiefs play the last game of the season. And by the way, Cincinnati being the Bills tonight is certainly no guarantee. I mean, it, it should be a very entertaining and good game. Um, all right, let's see who... The Chiefs play in the last week of the season. They're at Las Vegas. I mean, you know, it's a game you would think the Chiefs should win. 
And that's a Saturday game. So the Saturday games right now are Kansas City, Vegas, and Tennessee at Jacksonville is the night game. And then now all the times are TBD for the Sunday games. Like I said, I think you just make Detroit, keep Detroit at Green Bay at 1 o'clock, although they may want to flip that. See, because, I mean, or... They might move that to the, as I said, they might move it to the 425 window, make that the national game because that's the only one with any implications. Real Well, I shouldn't say that because in the NFC, you've still got Philly trying to hold on to the number one seed and they play, Philly plays who? The Giants? See, the Giants have nothing to play for. Um, why can't I find this? This is irritating me to no end. Are you kidding me? New York, Tampa, New England, Minnesota, Baltimore, Los. What? Where's? Where's? What is going on here? Is it the Monday night game? No, there it is. Sorry, New York. There's no Monday night game. This is the national championships on Monday. Uh, New York, Philadelphia. Okay. So there is some jockeying for position as far as the number one seed in the NFC, too. So it's going to be interesting. Apparently, they're going to announce the Sunday schedule, I think, at halftime. The NFL never missing an opportunity to hype itself, I believe, is announcing the, the schedule for this Sunday, the times, uh, at halftime of Monday night's game tonight. So there, there is still a lot to be uh, decided here in in coming down at the end of week 17 this Bills uh, Bengals game is meaningful and then you're going to have some meaningful games in the NFC too. So you've got the Eagles at 13 and 3, Minnesota at 12 and 4. They play the Bears. You got to assume Minnesota's going to win. Um I think the game is in Minnesota. Going to have to check that. Cuz if it's in Chicago, um I don't I don't love I, I honestly, you know, if, if it's in Minis- if it's in Chicago and there's any kind of weather there, um, I don't I don't love Minnesota's chances at all. Actually, um, law of average is going to catch up with them. Minnesota, by the way, is a minus nineteen overall this year in score differential, minus nineteen. Detroit's plus twenty two. Philly's a plus one twenty seven. Dallas a plus one forty five. Now listen, I understand. Some of that stuff is a little skewed, right? You get some blowouts along the way here or there. Um, you know, look around some of the, the Bills are plus 157. Bengals plus 85. Uh, Chiefs are plus 109. San Fran's plus 148. I mean, everybody else is barely over or under. Um, anyway, take that for what it's worth. But so you've got the Eagles at 13 and 3, Dallas at 12 and 4. Dallas plays Washington. Washington's cooked. They're done. So who knows what's going to happen there? I mean, you would think Dallas will win that game. So if Dallas wins at 13 and 4, Philly loses to the Giants, but you don't think they're going to because the Giants are going to play anybody. Because the Giants are locked into their seed. The Giants will be smart to just rest everybody. You gotta assume Philly's gonna win. It looks like Jalen Hurts will be back. But if Philly were to lose, they'd be 13-4. and four. If Dallas were to win, they'd be 13-4. and four. And then they'd be 5-1 and one in the division, and Philly would be 4-2. and two. 
I mean, sorry, three and three. So Dallas would win the NFC East. The Vikings are jockeying for position with San Fran. As I said, Minnesota plays the Bears. San Fran plays Arizona, who stinks. San Fran's not losing. They're going to be 13 and four. So even if Minnesota wins, let's see, what's their conference record? They'd be eight and four conference. San Fran would be 10 and two. Adios. So they would be the two seed. Um, oh, can they get to the one seed? They might be able to. They'd be 13 and four. They would need Philly to lose. If Philly wins, they're the number one seed. Plain and simple. They have, they'd have 14 wins. That's the most. Philly loses and Dallas wins. Dallas wins a division. But what would their conference record be? Nine and three. San Fran would be... So San Fran would be the number one... If Philly loses and Dallas wins. Dallas wins a division. San Fran's the number one overall seed. Tampa Bay won their joke of a division at eight and eight. Um... And uh, with every team under 500, by the way, seven and nine Saints, six and ten Panthers, six and ten Falcons. Um, and by the way, the, the Ram, uh, Niners nine games in a row have won with the third string quarterback the last four weeks, Brock Purdy, who was the last pick of the draft. Um, for us, that team is very good, and no Debo Samuel either for the last few weeks. Um, but they still have McCaffrey, and they've got Kittle. Um, and then they've got a great defense. So let's see. So that's that's it. Philly wins. They're the number one overall seed. San Fran wins. They're the two seed. Minnesota's the three. Tampa's the four. Uh, I guess the Giants are the five. No. Let's see. No, Dallas is the five, Giants the six, and then either Green Bay, the Lions, or Seattle are the seven. And there you go. All right, that is going to do it for the first show of 2023. As always, thank you for listening. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, peace out.